Welcome to the Big Ten on Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise. And uh, I'm your host today, Luke Fowler, here with my co-host, Jackie Kettler, and uh, Jen Snyder over here behind the board, so she'll pipe in when she can. Hey, everybody. Oh. I guess I can do it now. <laughs> uh, we are all colleagues at the School of Public Service at, at Boise State University. And we're going to talk about uh, a couple of interesting uh, public affairs topics today, including the Oscars. Spoiler alert, last segment, you have to wait until then to hear it so <laughs> listen to all the boring stuff in between now and then uh but you have that backwards yeah well no if we talk about oscars first everybody's gonna tune out so we have to like <laughs> oh, okay. tease them all and right. then keep them with the boring stuff right uh but you know not well somewhat of a boring story but uh the big uh, news story this week of course michael cohen's testimony in congress something that's been really longly waited uh though honestly i don't know if any of it surprised me or really like any bombshells it was more of just the same but still interesting and still some melodrama that popped up um so i think the most surprising part was how unprofessional and childlike a lot of our legislatures acted um but <laughs> otherwise like some interesting stuff so uh first question i'm gonna throw to you two like what what stuck out the most to you from these hearings in the last day or two yeah i mean i think <laughs> these are it was just a very interesting thing to witness right um and i think you know as as luke mentioned a lot of this we already kind of knew but to have all packaged together um in michael cohen's testimony about all these different elements one of the parts that really stood out to me was about him trying to push, a, you know, to ensure schools wouldn't release Donald Trump's grades. Um, <laughs> My kids love that. My kids are 12 and 14, and they were laughing about that really hard. They, they He wasn't didn't want his SAT scores released right, that either, too. <laughs> which I kind of understand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, this is always kind of a weird thing that we pour over politicians' grades anyways, but the fact that, you know, his lawyer was working on trying to ensure that the schools wouldn't release it is kind of an interesting fact I which guess. is somewhat hilarious considering all the other dirt that is leaked about our president you'd imagine they would have like focused on like the porn star thing and not the grades but you know that's just me i also thought cohen brought up that the person he felt the worst for was the first lady and lined the first lady mm -hmm. and that was something that was kind of interesting to witness i mean just with this whole presidency i feel like melania is just not in the spotlight in the same way other first ladies have been i mean there have been a couple issues with you know the jacket that she wore that says I, I don't care do you around the hurricane time of the hurricanes and stuff like that but otherwise yeah sort of what the whole what she's thinking thing that went on a lot with Hillary Clinton for example around the Monica Lewinsky scandal that really hasn't been part of the public discourse around this presidency that's really interesting. Yeah I think uh, Melania is going to be an interesting I think I pronounced her name correctly for the first time on the show oh, ever. So that's, good a job. that's a historical moment. I think she's going to be an interesting uh, I mean first lady in a lot of ways because she's very very different than every other first lady that we've ever had i mean she is definitely especially modern first lady she's not been in the spotlight um she has a non-traditional background for that position um, her relationship with her husband seems to be very different than what other first ladies have had with their husbands so i mean i think there's a, a lot of interesting things that uh, around her story you know, the other thing that struck me about the Michael Cohen testimony is I don't tend to watch a lot of um, cable news. I don't watch the news hardly ever, actually. I mostly read it um, because I'm a nerd. Uh, and so it was just interesting to see him and to see him speak, I guess, like as a visual spectacle. Um, I sort of had in my mind that he was 
just kind of a sleazeball, <laughs> I guess, from everything I've read about him and heard about him. And I'm not saying he came across as like Johnny Appleseed or anything. Um, but I also found him sort of credible. He, uh, a lot he of what very he said. genuine. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I will agree. I kind of like Ben Stiller on SNL has kind of shaped my yeah, exactly. <laughs> perception of Michael Cohen. And yes, he did seem much more genuine. Um, and like, yeah, it came across much better than I would have expected. Well, and so that's what a, a lot of the commentary is pointing to, that Jim Jordan uh, actually was a winner of these hearings. And Jim he, Jordan's the representative from Ohio. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, you know, some of uh, the things that, and that were said came off very credible, really played to the right in a lot of ways. Um, I think some of the other people that were identified was uh, AOC, um, which I'm not going to pronounce her name correctly at all, so I'm not going to try. Ocasio-Cortez. But, you know, so her, her question on, on Trump's ta- tax re- uh, returns, really they say lay, laid the groundwork for might for uh, subpoenas potentially on those. So it was kind of interesting to see the different performances because I don't think any of them really told, said anything new. It was just kind of an interesting, like, play we'll just call it a teleplay yeah, it for the american people yeah. i mean that's exactly what this was that's been stacking up for months right i mean the the most recent comparison would be hillary clinton going to testify in the benghazi um you know the those that hearing would be a similar type of comparison point to this i think where there's a lot of like anticipation a lot of kind of drama that was happening in that room um and so yeah i mean i think it was it's always kind of interesting to watch them interact with one another too and I also had heard some um, positive response towards AOC's kind of line of questioning and that she really didn't do much political posturing but really was asking questions in kind of a a different way than some of the other members of the committee it's so interesting that you mentioned the Benghazi hearings though Jackie because for me the um, the comparison really is like to the Kavanaugh hearings Mm -hmm. in terms of this performance element that you're talking about with Luke and I think with the Kavanaugh hearings both both sort of Kavanaugh's performance itself and then how a lot of lawmakers responded to it very like big, emotive, intense in ways that I feel like we haven't always seen in hearings in the past. So you mentioned Jim Jordan, Luke, and I was just struck by how amped the guy seems. Again, I have sort of not been following his career. I don't know a lot about him, but just high sort of speed in terms of how he spoke, lots of volume, lots of intensity. And it was just like, this was clearly a spectacle, it felt like, for the cameras. Well, I think it's interesting because I, the Kavanaugh is probably a, a good parallel hill here um, because both of these he- hearings really haven't been about facts at all because we know all the facts. It's really about who is the most credible. Um, and that's exactly what, what this was. It's like Michael Co- Cohen lying or not. Um, and the conservative side is that he's lying. And so they've definitely attacked. Uh, I mean, their big, big argument is like he lied about whether or not he saw, uh, was seeking a position in the White House. And if they undermine him there, then we, they are undermining and i put in that in air quotes uh his entire like testimony right but i mean this is really just an argument about credibility so it's really just a a performance like the facts don't matter if you can undermine whether or not someone's lying and i mean that is really something that is new to american politics in a lot of ways because a lot of these previous hearings were about the introduction of facts 
Um, and this really isn't about that anymore, right? Although I think, I mean, even with like the Benghazi hearings or the Kavanaugh hearings, people responded to them in a very partisan way. Yeah. And yeah. you, well, who aligned with your partisan identification is who you thought came out of that, you know, in the kind of a head or on the right side. And so I would say that there's been for uh, probably a decade or so, people have really used that, that partisanship as a lens through which they acquire information. And so it it is really difficult to, you know, we think about facts through a partisan perspective. I mean, it also feels complicated by the fact that there are, of course, private hearings happening, too, and who knows what's happening behind closed doors. And also that Cohen can't really talk about um, some stuff that we don't have facts about yet because there are ongoing investigations like with uh, in the state of New York and so uh, that he's a part of. So. I think, you know, anybody that was hoping for some sort of bombshell out of this, whether or not Cohen is credible, it certainly certainly didn't happen. He con- he confirmed a lot of what was already out there, as you said, Luke. What the other only other different thing I would say is that we did see some evidence. Right. So he brought checks <laughs> with, you know, Don Jr., uh, Donald Trump Jr.'s signature and uh, things like that. So I think. You know, for folks who maybe were on the fence, that that could have been persuasive. Well, and I'll say, like most of the media commentary, what they're getting to very quickly because we haven't really seen very many facts is just asking the question: Is there anything that we now know more about the Mueller investigation? What can we take from this testimony and then try to get some insight on what's going there? Because ultimately, like that's what we're all waiting for. Because none of this is going to get resolved until that report comes out, um, and so that's just still the the big story uh, of possibly the decade that we're going to wait on. Definitely the big story of the Trump administration that we're going to wait on, correct? I do like that you pronounce his name Mueller. Well, like you, Ferris Bueller. Listen, well, I pronounce names <laughs> however I feel like on this show. That is that is one of the privileges of being your a host. Man. And uh, having a PhD is I get to pronounce mispronounce people's <laughs> names all the time. Um, yeah, it happens. All right. With that said, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, you're listening to uh, The Big Ten on Radio Boise. Hi, we're the Secret Light from Portland, Oregon. And you're listening to KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise, community radio for Boise and beyond. We're back on the Big Ten on Radio Boise. Uh, so we just wrapped up a discussion of the Cohen hearings, which is uh, kind of the, the big story in national news. But we want to switch gears and talk about some local Idaho politics now. Um, so we're about halfway through the legislative session. Um, there's been some interesting things that, that have gone on. Um, and luckily for us, we have one of the leading minds on <laughs> Idaho politics in the room. Uh, my colleague... From the School of Public Service, Jackie Kettler. No pressure with that setup. <laughs> Listen, I'm, no, no, I'm just, uh, just letting everybody know that uh, you know you're you're leading mine. So just just throwing it out there for everyone. And we probably have only about four weeks left of the session now, maybe five. We usually wrap up, or the legislature wraps up by end of March. So I had heard that it was going to be a longer session this time around, though. Jackie, any ideas on that? I it's don't know why. Possible. Docket or... I mean, it seems like the budget stuff is moving along pretty good at the moment so it's possible but the i mean the main thing that keeps them here is the budget once they pass that they can leave um and once they pass it and the governor signs off so uh, maybe they're expecting some more budget debates um to, to delay things but 
um, it seems like we're still on track for kind of a normal session. But Have there been major sticking points around the sort of discussions around the budget or it seems sort of a business as usual? Yeah, I mean, it seems so far to have be going pretty smoothly um, and they just passed for the Medicaid expansion funding. Um, and so that was kind of a big f- focus, right, for what was going to happen on that issue this session. So uh, they did pass the Medicaid expansion funding. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there was some doubt about that going in, right? Because there's been some pushback both in uh, in the Idaho legislature and other states like Utah. Yeah. Um, maybe well, considering not funding. And that. this is coming from JFAC, so oh, okay. there's still some, you know, there's still processes to go through, mm-hmm. and so still battles to be fought on Medicaid expansion. But we continue to see the legislature kind of, you know, the the Supreme Court upheld it as constitutional. Um, The bills to repeal the Medicaid expansion failed. They didn't move out of committee. And so we seem to be kind of seeing some of the concerns kind of go to the wayside and proceeding along at this point. Good, because I mean, that was one of the the big sticking points in this legislature. So one less thing for us to concern ourselves with. Um, So (laughs) what are some of the interesting bills uh, that have come through so far? I mean, some of the the, the big uh, interesting ones, or or at least one of the things that are worth our listeners taking note of. Well, I continue to be really interested in liquor licensing in the state. and Uh, Of course you do, Jack. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it results in a secondary market where they go for like hundreds of thousands of dollars to purchase a liquor license. Because there's a limited number of liquor licenses available yeah and it's tied to population and so i mean you get on a waiting list and it's like years and years you could hang out on the wait list or you try to purchase or rent one for quite a bit of money um and there was a proposal again this year to revise it and maybe something's still in the works there um but um that's one issue i always kind of look to to see if they can get some revising to open up that process maybe not tie it to population or i think one proposal is to give local governments cities more control um on on who on like the amount of license number Mm -hmm. of licenses but of course those who already have liquor license have invested a lot of money in it don't really want to see more licenses Mm -hmm. granted because they view it as an important investment um, another one has been the Daylight Savings Bill, uh, which is always kind of an interesting one to watch. And the Daylight Savings Bill, meaning we should just get rid of that ungodly practice, those of us who have small children, where every six months we have our entire lives completely upended. And Listen, I'll say it really confuses my dogs because they know what time <laughs> dinner time is. And they're looking at me like, it's not dinner time, or it is dinner time, and it just very confuses them. I try to explain to them how Daylight Savings Time works, but it just never works. They never get it. <laughs> the one in spring is okay, but the one in fall, I don't know, it just feels brutal. Yeah. It's a big change. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and so that's one that comes up. And the debate now is, you know, like sometimes the debate for it is that farmers, it's kind of supportive or helpful for farmers, though some farmers will say, well, we don't really need this. Like our, our day is going to operate the same regardless of whether it's light or not. You know, I've never met somebody who wants to argue for keeping daylight savings, that, that switch. So if you feel really strongly about why we should keep it, just uh, throw us a tweet or <laughs> leave a comment on Facebook because I'd like to hear the argument. Or you're welcome to uh, call Jen's office or stop by. <laughs> She's got plenty of free time to, to meet with people. On Just Google Jen Schneider, Boise State. Yes. I, I but I, well, I'll say, and I don't know if, uh, if I'm stealing your thunder on this one, Jackie, is 
it only like getting away from daylight savings time is kind of not a good idea if you're the only one to do it. And there's a couple right. of pockets of America that don't do it. Well, Arizona, we, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think there's pl- a part of Pennsylvania somewhere in the north. Well, Indiana used to, but they stopped because it got oh, too confusing because okay. they had multiple times. It, it was like a mess. We'd no all have to do it. it. Yeah. yeah. That, that's yeah, to say, okay. like, if it was at the national level, I think everybody would get on board with this. But the problem is it's really hard to do in a pocket because, I mean, you could be completely thrown off on time zones and very confusing that would have huge economic implications for states you know i always forget idaho has two time zones until it's election time (laughs) and then we have to wait like another hour after ballots close in boise in order to start reporting on stuff well idaho has one and then north idaho has one well that's true i guess can we talk a little bit about this sex ed bill i saw jackie in the materials you sent us so it looks like we can jim but you have to remember the obscenity rules okay i'll do my best Uh, yes so um i'll do my best mom okay so my understanding is i and i i'm sorry i forget who put forth the bill but my understanding is that the idea is that rather than opting out of sex education which is the system we have now parents now would have to opt in and i think what we've seen from other programs is that basically effectively kills the the program itself and i was thinking about it um and about this proposal and i thought you know i'm a a big fan of religious freedom and and certainly i think there have to be limits on on the things that that we cover in schools but it strikes me that we have this like kind of mismatch in Idaho maybe in the Pacific Northwest right now between religious freedom and public health issues and the, the measles outbreak is one example of those and this feels like another one to me where sex ed is really like a public health issue um, and I realize there are sort of morality pieces to it but if it, that feels like sort of dangerous territory to tread on. Well, and it's interesting, especially with like the vaccination things, because you have like a different coalition there than what would be on sex ed or like the faith healing. Like you get kind of different coalitions on different issues. And like the vaccinations one is like you also have some like not religious people. Um, and so but it is always kind of a question, like how much religious freedom gets room as opposed to well now we're putting public health actually at risk well and i one thing that informs or i guess kind of always as i think about when we talk about what goes on in our schools right with sex ed and you know some of these uh requirements for vaccines to go to schools is there's you can opt out of public schools like you can attend private schools and that's one of those arguments that have been thrown out there which is like if you don't like it we're gonna we're gonna produce a a basic layer of what education and all these kind of things look like and if you don't like it you can go to parochial schools and in fact like parochial schools in america are pretty good they're they're widespread there's a lot of competition out there for them so i like that's one of the things that when people really push back against some of these things in the public education like well if public education is so bad like why don't you just put your kids in private school i mean i think we can probably acknowledge again as somebody who has preteens and teens in school that the sex ed that's usually provided is not that great to be (laughs) to begin with (laughs) in a lot of places um so i'm not sure what we're um you know to to chip away further at that seems like a really bad but yeah it will definitely lower participation by switching to an opt-in as opposed to an opt-out system yeah all right so we're going to take another break Um, we'll be back in a few minutes this is Community Radio for Boise, Beyonce, and beyond, 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 beyond. Hello, everybody. This is Wayne from the Flaming Lips, and you're tuned into listener-supported Community Radio, KRBX 89.9 FM, Radio Boise, Radio Boise, Radio Boise. 
All right, welcome back to the Big Tent on Radio Boise. And even though this is Public Affairs Thursday, we're going to change it up and talk some pop culture. Because that's all I care about. Pop culture is public affairs. (laughs) (laughs) It sure is. I mean, we find a lot of connections often. Um, But so we've had some big award shows in the recent weeks, the Grammys and the Oscars. Um, And maybe just starting with, I mean, they kind of seem very different in some ways. And can I just say that I had just stopped watching award shows i feel like they got really long kind of really boring like vanilla and just not very interesting to watch and then i had well there was the super bowl halftime show which i watched we can talk about that and then i actually watched the grammys this year and part of the oscars so maybe we can do a little comparison of those three things i thought the grammys were really enjoyable because we had some really amazing women artists give just impressive and fun performances yeah um i just have to give a shout out to dolly parton who i love and (laughs) i've loved since i was a little girl she was amazing but also like Janelle Monet, oh, oh, so she another it. Kansas City, like Kansas City. Is she from Kansas, from Kansas City? City? So. Yeah, talk about yeah. She definitely would not be invited to a sex ed class in in Boise, Idaho. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Just super edgy and fun, but like a really tight dance set. There's the opening. Um, scene which was uh oh i forget her name she does the havana song i'm sure that yeah uh, i know radio, who you're talking about radio boise p- people don't know that song it's on pop radio you guys oh I was, that's like every other song they play <laughs> you clearly don't listen to enough radio that boise. and jack johnson yeah, a lot of wa- banana pancakes wayne just fell out of his chair radio boise. <laughs> we also i enjoyed casey musgrave's performance at yeah. grammys um, although that was kind of the tamest performance of the was. night uh but so we got to see her live in portland the other weekend and she was amazing yeah and then there was the controversy over j-lo doing the whole motown um thing and you know talking about whether or not that should have been an african-american woman but can i tell you she is like what 48 i mean she rocked she did like a cartwheel it was a i mean she i did a a cartwheel right now i'd pull like six or seven ligaments she looks great (laughs) she was amazing Yeah, that was really cool. And then contrast that with the Super Bowl halftime show. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard the 6,000 hot takes on that, but so boring. Yeah. Yeah, and it didn't sound great. Yeah, I mean, in the suit, I mean, like that type of performance is tough, right? Yeah, Um, compared to the Grammys, where they may be pre-recorded, I don't know, but uh, it's just going to be a venue that sounds better regardless. What happened to Adam Levine? Like, I'm not like a Maroon Five hater; they're fine, but he's like, it's like he swallowed another human being. He's bulked up so much, and he's covered in tats now. It's like a whole. (laughs) It's a whole new Maroon 5, you guys. Really just changed my world. (laughs) All right, so we're going to segue from Adam Levine and his rippling... Well, let's talk about an impressive performance at the Oscars. (sighs) The Oscars. Oh, man, that Bradley Cooper... uh, (laughs) You knew we were going there. Lady Gaga shallow performance was... (laughs) It was intense. Have you seen A Star is Born, either one? I have. I have not. Oh, Luke... (laughs) come on man put it in the queue okay it's not the best movie in the world but it's pretty good and it's got good music it's got good music i mean it's kind of you know it's just based on previous a star is born movies so you kind of know the story if you've seen one but i thought brought some interesting updates to it it's a beautiful movie it's like a aesthetically satisfying Mm -hmm. movie i think and the moment in the movie when her character sings shallow you just are like 
oh, like your heart just bursts out your chest. Yeah. You're so excited for her and she just kills it. And then I think there were a lot of people who wondered, well, is Gaga really able to do that? She's like a pop phenom. Oh, she's got. She's classically trained in she's voice. Amazing. She's amazing. very talented. Yeah, so she just killed it, I thought. And she was just sitting. If you haven't seen it, like I don't know where you've been. <laughs> but let's say you haven't seen it. She's just sitting behind this uh, grand piano playing the song. Bradley Cooper sort of the other side of the piano. She's got like evening wear on, kind of un-Gaga-esque. And they're doing the the uh, duet and then all of a sudden halfway through the song Bradley now this is at the over. Oscars right yeah, this is at the Oscars. I'm sorry I was by yeah. myself for a moment I yeah. thought you guys <laughs> forgot you all were here <laughs> so he comes from behind the piano and he sits down at the bench next to her and they start singing together and it's the closest that you could come to making out with another human being without actually touching them <laughs> it looked, what I would but, say. but even before he moved around there their eye contact was oh. so intense. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I feel a little, like, I'm really amazed by what's happening, and I also feel a little uncomfortable watching this. And yeah. so that's where, well, I guess there's been a lot of controversy about, like, what's going on between those two. Because is he married, or does he just have a girlfriend? He has a girlfriend. He definitely has a girlfriend, oh, for right. sure. She sat next to Lady Gaga at the Oscars. Yes. But Gaga recently that's broke up with her fiancé, I would say mm-hmm. that. And then, so the only thing was, like, it was very, like rom-com moment like John Cusack holding up the you know ghetto blaster outside Ioni Sky's window or whatever it was like a very intense moment uh, uh, but then my friend Steve showed me a YouTube video of uh, Gaga and Bradley Cooper doing the same thing in Vegas uh, a month or two ago and they did the exact same move where you know Bradley Cooper's kind of standing next to her and she pulls him down to the piano bench and they have this moment and I was like oh crud <laughs> did it destroy the magic it destroyed the magic you mean them being performers is a disappointment I know <laughs> gosh they're so good at it uh-huh. yeah I know do you how come you don't watch award shows Luke uh I don't really go see well so I'm <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I don't really see movies. I'm very, like, not involved in pop movies. culture at all. It's not on Netflix. I probably know. I, At no least you watch called. sports, so it's yeah. not like you're just... I'm just like, not involved in pop culture at all. Um, Luke, they have movies on Netflix. Uh, I watch movies on Netflix sometimes. Luke, Basically, all the things my my wife tells me to watch. I was going to say, Luke does watch like the Real Housewives. Yeah. So my, basically <laughs> oh, no. what happens is uh, my wife is like, we're going to watch this. And I'm like, all right, because uh, agreeing to watch this is easier than trying to argue over it and then uh but yeah most of what i know about uh, pop culture comes from her um and so she's like oh my god did you hear what happened with jordan white i'm like who's that one of your co-workers and she's like no it's this i'm like i'm already lost it's connected to the kardashians so you're allowed to yes zone out. i had a i had to read some buzzfeed articles just to catch up so i could follow her stories <laughs> i about this. continue to love that buzzfeed is a regular news source for you <laughs> yeah i mean that's where i get my pop culture news right but cnn I- doesn't do nearly as well with it I do think we have a connection to politics to make, not to like kill your kill your buzz and oh my feed God, your you buzz. Just, you just ruined it. Sorry. Okay. Um, but I would say that you know the Oscars and I think the Grammys too have both come under a lot of fire for being sort of Oscars so white, Grammys so white, being a little homogenous, a lot homogenous. And it felt like the Grammys in particular brought it this year. It was dominated by women. Is dominated by women of color by queer folks and i think that's what part of what made it so fun and interesting to and watch the, the awards too that yes. the, the people who won at the grammys was yeah. diverse yeah donald glover winning the album of the year right um that's really cool well, 
you know. And so the same uh, criticism got thrown at the Super Bowl halftime performance when they announced Maroon 5, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's this huge pushback of, like, why are you asking them yeah. to do this? But, but my understanding is that they, they asked others and they said no. Yeah. Because this. of the Colin Kaepernick yeah. thing, right? So it's just really interesting the, the sort of tensions that we see between cultural events and the ways in which um, different events are trying to push things forward or respond to maybe more conservative forces and how that's playing out, I think, in some of the racial polarization like that our colleague Steve Udick works on um, at a national level. But, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe heading into the Grammys, there was a lot of people saying that they weren't going to attend because, and, and that's thing, right. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, based on some of these same reasons. So, I mean, I think that that's kind of a reality for these award shows. Like you either do things that people want to go to or they stop watching and stop coming and then you stop advertising and all this other and kind we, of stuff. We didn't even talk about the Oscars not having a host because oh, of yeah. controversy yeah. leading up to it. Yeah, um, and resulting Kevin Hart, in, who had made some homophobic tweets many years ago, was disinvited as host. Resulting in some confusion. Cook could not figure out why the Rage Against the Machine guy was there to introduce <laughs> him. Rage he kept thinking guy. he has to be connected. I'm like, no, he's just introducing it. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to watch those trends as we move forward in the ways in which culture and politics, I think, are always in conversation with one another. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with uh, some more political coverage next week. So please hang around for the rest of Public Affairs Thursday, and we'll see you next week. And we're going to leave you with a little new music by the Polyrhythmics playing at Neurolux on March 7th.